Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here in the studio tonight, you've got Ian. And Bonnie. Bricks, of course, is sort of the other world power alliance that has been building for the last roughly two decades. And it hasn't apparently had new members for the last 13 years, I think it was. So it's only been Brazil, Russia, India. China. China and and South South Africa. Africa. For several, at least for more than a decade, it's been that. And they just had their uh, annual summit that they do. It rotates around, so this year it was in South Africa. And the uh, the big news out of BRICS is that they are going to be adding six more countries to BRICS. Which ones? Uh, that is, of course, the big question. And they did announce which ones uh, are going to be added. There were, I think, close to two dozen countries that were, were applying for membership. I'm actually surprised Mexico didn't make it in because that would have been a, a real, you know, F you to the United States. Well, that'd be even scarier if Vivek Ramaswamy and the likes were st- mm. uh, still trying to bomb Mexico when they get elected. Well, according to people who watched the Republican debate, those poor bastards uh, that uh, love to punish themselves last night, apparently Vivek Ramaswamy was still talking about using the U.S. military against the Mexican cartels. Wow, I thought that he had supposedly walked it back on some show. I don't know about that. I, I'd heard something in regards to that. Well, I guess he's that, walked it back after walking it back I suspect it depends to on to whom he's speaking. Probably. You know, like if he's like at politician. The, yeah, if he's at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, which is a group full of libertarian free staters where he appeared in June, uh, I suspect he'll talk very differently about it and try to play it down as much as possible. Like, oh, well, oh, we, we just want to get the Mexican military to take action against them. We're not going to actually do anything about it. And then if he's you know, in front of a group of Republicans, he's all tough talk about dropping bombs on the, uh, the Mexican cartels. So, But your point being, Bonnie, that if Mexico were to be admitted to BRICS, which has historically, as I understand it, been more of an economic uh, alliance than it is like a militaristic alliance. Yeah, but still, your economy is going to fall if you're getting bombed by the United States. Sure, but the question is, if you're a member of BRICS, is that going to obligate the BRICS countries to send military aid if you're invaded by the U.S. military? I don't know if it would obligate them like NATO allies or something like that, but like I said, they're not going to like if they're... economically entangled with the country and then the United States starts bombing it. So the big number or the big names here include Egypt, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, as well as, surprise, Argentina, which we've been talking about in recent days with the candidacy of libertarian Javier Malay, who won the Argentinian primary election, not this past weekend, but the weekend prior, I believe. How many new total? Uh, six. So, so Egypt, mm-hmm. Argentina. Uh, Egypt, sorry. Egypt, Argentina, Ethiopia, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates. Hmm. Which, according to somebody's calculation, it's not in any of the stories that I've seen so far, but just on social media, somebody claims... That that will give BRICS 80% of the world's oil-producing nations. Those are a lot of rich countries. Saudi Arabia is super rich. So Saudi Arabia is. I don't know about and Ethiopia have... and, and uh, Egypt. I just figured e- Egypt was rich. UAE and Saudi Arabia are definitely two major oil producers out there. 
And uh, them joining BRICS is a huge shot across the bow to the United States because if you recall, there was several months ago, Joe Biden was trying to have a meeting with the prince or whatever of Saudi Arabia, and he was getting rejected. Like he couldn't even get a meeting scheduled with this guy. Nice. So, yeah, things are starting to change out there, and this is yet another indicator of BRICS becoming more and more relevant. I don't know if they have the numbers in this story from RT. It doesn't look like they do. But according to something I saw earlier on, like, what does this mean as far as how big will BRICS be economically? It said it would be over, I think, $30 trillion in GDP, and it would be over 30% of world GDP. Prior to the expansion, people were saying that BRICS had 42% of the world's population underneath its alliance. So this would... India and China. Right. India and China are huge. Um, each of them has, I think, approximately a billion or right. just over a billion people. So now you add into that six more countries. Uh, it, it has not been determined. The most important question, of course, is will they change the name of uh, of bricks i did see somewhere that they they, they kind of like the name bricks so they may just be sticking with that other uh south african officials had said the bricks currency was not on the agenda for the summit however lula from uh, lula de silva luis inacio lula de silva from brazil did say that he doesn't believe that nations that don't use the dollar should be forced to trade in the currency and he has also advocated for a common currency in the Mercosur bloc of South American countries. A BRICS currency, he said, quote, increases our payment options and reduces our vulnerabilities. So this seems like you know, a pretty obvious thing for them to do to reduce reliance on the dollar, which will absolutely help the people in those other countries, not especially if they go gold-backed. If, if they actually do come out with a gold-backed currency, that will be a game-changer. It will be the first such thing in 100 years or something like that. I, I guess they did try it in, was it Gaddafi that, that tried to do some sort of gold thing and then the, the U.S. government killed him hmm. over it? You can correct me if I'm wrong on that. I, I don't follow the Middle Eastern stuff closely, but as I recall, there was somebody in the Middle East, some warlord or dictator or whatever, that wanted to do some kind of gold-backed uh, currency or actual gold currency, and that was one of the alleged reasons the U.S. government took him out. Crichton, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Bonnie. Hi. Um, I, I wanted to call in pretty you early did. today. Welcome, sir. And um, I, I want... And, and this, this topic actually folds into what I want to talk about pretty well. Because okay. I called in last night, and I know there's a one-call rule. And then Bonnie was talking about um, uh, Kennedy visiting New Hampshire during the... Uh, uh, Porkfest? Porkfest, yes. So, uh, thank you very much. Yep. Um, and I wanted to comment that um, I'm of two minds like this, uh, on this kind of thing. On one hand, I am a libertarian, and I see the things that you guys see, that I would like it to be better. And in the sense that if it went the libertarian way, it would it would uh, objectively be better. However, at the same time, I also am a pra- pragmatist, and I don't want the uh, perfect to be the enemy of the good. Hmm. Um, and in both cases, both uh, Kennedy's speech and um, the, the BRICS currency that you're talking about, it's, they're not libertarian concepts at all but sure. in 
regarding Kennedy in particular, there's a lot of things that libertarians can agree with as far as what Kennedy's positions are, even if we don't agree for his. Can you give me some examples? I mean, I've I've not spent more than five minutes listening to the guy. I know he's a critic of uh, forced vaccinations, and obviously a lot of libertarians agree with that. What a low bar, though. But what is it that you would say are like three key issues on which he agrees with libertarians besides vaccinations? He he agrees that uh, free speech is paramount. Except when he doesn't. That is true. He <laughs> does have exceptions to that rule. Okay. Um, he, he, he agrees that body autonomy, meaning, you know, you get to decide whether or not we put vaccines in our body or not, is paramount, except when he doesn't. Hmm. There are, yes, there are exceptions. Uh, You're not getting me excited here, Triton. <laughs> I'm not saying I was voting for the man. Okay. I said I can understand why, why the idea of letting the man speak at at pork fest, even under his conditions that there would be no firearms within mm. the venue while he was there, are a reasonable compromise for uh, pragmatist libertarians to make. And I say that because we want to hear what he has to say and what we can agree upon, even if it's not. But why does it even matter? Small. I mean, he's a politician. You know he's going to lie. He, it matters because Paul, all politicians lie. Mm-hmm. But they don't lie about everything. What we want to look for, we can never get. With the idea that we're going to get a libertarian president is hopeless in our own life. Oh, I agree. So that's um, why we just shouldn't have so any of the, the candidates we, there. That's why we need to secede so, from the United States. So the best we can hope for in the current system that, that we're in, you know, before secession, mm-hmm. is to be able to vote for um, candidates that represent our ideals as closely as we can get. I think just getting um, any or you know any candidate that gets a whole bunch of libertarians who would otherwise not vote in the federal elections to vote is a bad thing because he's probably not going to win one. So I, I okay, let's say he won. Let's say that a bunch of libertarians from New Hampshire who normally wouldn't vote in the federal elections voted for him and he won. Well, wait, it wait, doesn't wait. change anything. All it does is give um more legitimacy in libertarians minds to the federal government and i hate that well i see where you're coming from bonnie but you have to remember that rfk is as far as i know running in the democratic primary so at least from the voting perspective we already know your vote doesn't really matter at a at a federal level so spend it on whoever you want so if you feel like well i mean there's there's an argument for that but uh but if you feel like this guy is at least a better candidate than joe biden is for the democrats and you're really motivated to support him in some way, but you maybe don't want to give him any money, uh, is you could register as a Democrat and then go into the Democrat primary and vote for him. I mean, I mean that's that's not a big commitment. It's not going to really matter one way or another, although I can understand why some people would, would not want to. But, he, but, Bonnie, here's where it could matter, although we can't measure this. The way it could matter is if libertarians were to you know, like you said, register as Democrat temporarily and vote in favor of Kennedy in the primary, even knowing that we can't change the metric. Bonnie, you had accused me of being swapped by aliens or something. No, I think the government stole my boyfriend again. Uh, Well, (laughs) I'm your husband. I know, but but I was uh, quoting myself. Yeah, it's all right. Um, But uh, why were you accusing me of that? 
Because all of a sudden you're like, everyone should vote in the federal election to change the country. That's and then not we what I said. I said if you were excited by RFK Jr., I don't see any reason you should be. But if you were feeling excited, and it seems like Crichton is, then no. it doesn't do any harm uh, it does. to, to I, vote I for him in the, the primary. Harm. I explain the harm. Because if less people are voting, that is greater than if a whole bunch of people are voting for the people they're excited about. But why does it matter? No one cares if fewer people vote. Because that could actually send more of a message than when has that ever well, done? Well, a bunch that? of people voted for RFK. If people in mass stopped voting, that you don't think that happen, would do anything? Though. Okay, it hasn't happened yet. It'll never happen. It'll never happen as long as there are people on the radio saying, "If you're excited about RFK, you should vote for him. It'll make a big difference." I didn't say it would make a difference. Okay. Go ahead. Now let me defend my position because right. apparently I was misunderstood. What is your position? I am. I am not advocating that. Any libertarian necessarily register or vote for John F. Kennedy. Um, I was just using him as an example. I oh, mean, you mean RFK, by libert- the way? Yeah, whatever. Sorry. Yeah, no. uh, I know. I can mix up. Talking about. Um, I was just using ha- him as an example of the concept. Getting trying to get libertarians to do anything in the mass is an exercise in utility. Sure. But what I'm actually saying is, is that um, activism is part of what we do. But generally speaking, our activism is um, resistive. We do things to oppose. And I'm saying that there is a flip side to that, that to actually move, to be able to move something in the future is to seek out our allies when we can do, agree on something. Start some, mm-hmm. find an ally that you agree on something important and then start expanding that agreement if we can. Sure. If you can't expand that agreement, you stop it. But the, the specific thing about uh, uh, Kennedy talking about uh, concentration camps for uh, climate change deniers was a, an off-cut comment that he made in an interview with a group of uh, climate change activists. Hmm. He was literally talking to his base. Mm-hmm. So was he joking? So Sounds he like he's pandering. Been, he may not have been. But here's the thing. Like you said, all politicians lie. They especially lie when they think that they're, they've got your attention. Um, but, in, but the reality is when political align, alliances occur, they, if they realize that that alliance is valuable, they won't do things necessarily to, uh, to hurt that alliance. So by aligning with someone like Kennedy, not necessarily Kennedy because I don't really like him per se, but if we could find people in the Democratic Party – that we can agree on something about and their and tie their success to that alliance, then they are less likely to hurt us in the future. Why? That's, I mean, Trump just Trump absolutely relied on all of the Republicans in uh, 2016 who voted for him. And he still broke lots of promises to him. And it doesn't matter. People still love him. And he isn't sorry, and there hasn't been any kind of backlash about him not building the wall or whatever. Yeah, I don't see why uh, RFK Jr. or any other politician would hold any alliance at all with the libertarians or anyone else who helps him get where they're going. I mean, by by definition, a politician breaks their promises and they turn on people once they get the power that they're they're seeking. The thing about it to me is why create an alliance with 
these psychopathic bullies? Like, if you're in middle school, is it better for you? Do you have a better quality of life at school? If you go, this person's a bully, I guess I got to ally with them. And some people do do, do this. Mm-hmm. I guess I got to ally with them, then they won't hurt me. Do you have a better quality of life like that, living in fear of what this person might do to you? Or do you have a better quality of life if you say, I'm going to ignore that person, stay away from them, don't let them ruin my life, and make friends, my own friend group, and we'll be strong together. That's obviously better. Let's talk to Ricky. He's in the Commonwealth of PA. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian. Miss Bonnie, down with the eagle and up with the cross, no doubt. Okay. What's on your mind tonight? Well, this is a good one. Now, just a very brief history lesson until I go into current events. Now, under the second term of Obama, Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. Now, I remember it came out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Cairo started blowing the hell out of the palace in Israel. Now, people were bugging out on CNN. Now, Wolf Blitzer was the one, the voice of reason. Now, calm down, people. You know, bring Hillary in. Two, three days, going to be fine. Now, I remember talking to a lady friend who called me. Oh, the president's got to help her. I said, he won't. He won't. He's got to help her. I said, he will not send over one man in a rowboat. He, why? I said, because it'll be World War III. And sure enough, Hillary came in and that calmed down. Now, let's move to current events. That's always been a strategic military loc- uh, uh, location for us to control the Middle East now. What has, Egypt? Egypt? No, no, Israel. Israel. Now, Egypt has now entered into bricks. Now, what I call the mother of all wars has now changed because now Egypt – will, along with BRICS, now it's going to be Egypt, has incredible leverage now over the United States, and now BRICS along with it. Now, here's my looking at this. Now, this is leverage, of course, when it comes to what I just stated, World War III. Now, here's the thing. They've already shown that they're not kidding. But now, here's the thing. My concern. Who has shown that who's not kidding? It, uh, Egypt. Okay. They already showed that they're willing to bait us into World War III. Now, here's the thing. I'm looking at this presidential race. Now, some people ain't going to like what I'm about to say. You got two people running for president at the front front. You got Joseph Biden and you got Donald Trump. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can say what you want about Biden. He's a seasoned uh, person. He's been in the Senate forever. He's a thug. Now, okay, but here's the thing. If he's president, I'm not so concerned. Now, if Donald J. Trump becomes president, okay, with the leverage that this is, this is touchy business now. What do you think is going to happen if Donald Trump becomes president in regards to Egypt? I mean, Egypt isn't some sort of world power out there saber Uh, saber rattling. Remember what I said happened under, that was almost World War III under Obama. They were baiting us in. If, 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 if Barack would have sent over a man in a rowboat, literally, that would have became World War III. Now it's bricks along with it. But they could do the same thing now, and they have incredible World War III with us. Egypt? Just be, what are you saying they have? They're in like an alliance? They Is have it- – because they have – because here's the thing. They just said screw it to us controlling the Middle East. That's why they were blowing up the palace and baiting us in. Treason on Dictionary.com, the offense of acting to overthrow one's government or to harm or kill its sovereign. 
secession by peaceful means, which is what we're talking about here. Just to clarify, we're not talking about dropping bombs or shooting somebody. We're talking about a vote that will happen at some point here in New Hampshire that hopefully two-thirds of the population will support. And then we will say, bye-bye. We'll declare our independence from this federal system and become an independent nation. Again, by the way, New Hampshire was an independent nation prior to joining the United States. And we will once again have a president in New Hampshire and so on. That is not an overthrow of the government. Yeah, the United States government still continues by itself, just doesn't have power over right. the the New Hampshire government. And New Hampshire is a sovereign government, and uh, there's no talk of overthrowing it either. And that's not to say that they won't get upset about it. They may very well get upset about it. Remember during the Obama second term, there was that online, uh, they had this poll. poll, I don't know if it was a poll, but it was like, uh, you submit a petition. You submitted a petition, and then you tried to get 100,000 people to sign the petition, and then Obama would answer the petition, whatever it was. Whatever the question was, he would answer the petition, supposedly, right? Obviously, they're not going to answer the, the tough questions like, you know, are you, do you think 9-11 was an inside job? <laughs> you know? So, but surprisingly, there were over 100,000 people, if I recall correctly, who voted, uh, who signed this petition for Texas, talking about Texas seceding from the United States. And Obama's response, he did respond to it, was something to the effect of, we settled that with the Civil War. and Which isn't like how you legally go about settling things. No, it's not. But that's how a violent group of people goes about settling things, right? Might makes right, according to these people. They used violence. They got their way. And so the suggestion that he didn't say, he didn't verbally say this, but if you read between the lines, the suggestion is that Barack Obama would use violence if a state like Texas tried to secede. Now, that's just talk, and it may not have actually uh, panned out that way. But to go back to the question of, and I don't think it would pan out that way either, because it's not the 1800s. Information travels quickly today. The examples of secession that are more recent are much more peaceful. Look at Brexit as a perfect example. Uh, very similar circumstance, a very similar union. And they were able to leave Europe, the European Union, with uh, with no violence. Yeah, no one even... You didn't hear on the news that there was some politician even saying, I think we should bomb them. Yeah, I don't recall ever hearing that. You're right. And if there um, was, people would be like, that's utterly insane. It's 2023. People aren't going to support the federal government bombing New Hampshire. I agree. They're not going to support it. In or fact, even, the, you know, sanctioning them to death the polling, until they comply. Yep, people the, are not going to be okay with that. Uh, you mentioned last night, I think, on the show about the polling numbers that... Uh, Riley had said 29% or whatever yeah, supporting and secession. Sure that was and it. you were correct, Bonnie, that those numbers are not staying consistent. They've they've shifted dramatically since the first poll that was done in 2022 uh, did show 29% of oh. New Hampshireites supporting independence for New Hampshire right then. And that number has dropped to about 16%. Now, the question is that really means it dropped or there's just some other factor. I mean, when you've only done two studies yeah, on this, it's, there's only two. And it's only been two years, so we're going to hopefully do another one next year, and we'll we'll see what the numbers are then. Uh, but the numbers also 
weren't comparing apples to apples because the question wasn't exactly the same and it wasn't done by the same polling organization. So there's some differences between yeah. the two. And if you're interested in learning more about the secession numbers, the polling numbers, then go to nhexit.us. You'll find a detailed article that I wrote comparing last year's survey with this year's survey. You can click in and you can dig into the actual results from the pollsters and do your own uh, digging and you know figuring things out. You had this old guy call into the show last night, Bonnie, and I'd, I've been off the show both times this old coot mm. uh, called in, and it's a shame because I would have loved to have uh, had a chance to respond to him. Yeah, because the first time, whenever he said the federal government would take away electricity, Nikki Riley and I didn't really know if um, the federal government controls the electricity in New Hampshire. We're like, uh, I don't know. I guess none of us pay electric bills. Yeah, that is uh, that is true. Um, I I don't think I think we actually talked about that after the show, and not a single one of you guys has yeah, that, ever that, had to. That's what you said. To pay me, an so. electric bill. Well, I I don't know for sure about the other two, but I know for sure about me. Well, Riley's always lived with uh, somebody else, right? I, so. I always have to pay, like, give money for my electric bill. I've just never been the one who has it under their name. Yeah, has it under yeah. their name. It just works. So you don't even out know the way. name. You don't even know the name of the electric company. I, I do. It's Eversource. Oh, you do. I just remember that, like, after we were talking about it. Um, but in New Hampshire, the electricity has had some level of deregulation. It's not enough what they've done here in New Hampshire, but they've done something. So in New Hampshire, you can actually choose a different what they call supplier. So Eversource does what they call delivery. They also do supply. And that's the but- thing. I, I didn't know that this wasn't just like a gov- I mean, a company, but they work for the federal government or whatever. Even if I remember I don't the think name. they work for the federal government. No, I'm, I, sure. I'm saying I didn't know that before oh okay i got you um but no they 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 are what is called a supplier and a deliverer but in new hampshire they allow you to choose your supplier so you can go with eversource i think by default you're um on eversource but if somebody offers you a better price per kilowatt hour you can switch to that other company and so that's a way that they've tried to keep prices down on uh power here in new hampshire now what you were referring to when you're uh, in our call tonight Bonnie, is that New Hampshire does have a nuclear power plant that is, as I understand it, in operation and does provide power for some portion of the northeastern uh, seaboard. Yeah, now, and isn't it like federal laws that are keeping us from being able to have a second one? There's definitely a lot of federal laws prohibiting the EPA construction of uh, of nuclear facilities in the entire United States. And that's uh, that's as I understand. So without it. the feds in the way, we could probably have even cleaner, better energy. If cleaner we just and cheaper. A second one of yeah. those. In fact, I think Carla Garrick from the Foundation for New Hampshire Independence has been saying that there is some authorization that New Hampshire has to build a second nuclear power plant. But I don't know anything else beyond that. I don't know if that's like the federal government has signed off on it or. The reason why that's not happening, I, I'm not following that closely, but that's what she's going out there saying, and I think that's very interesting. I'm still shocked that Carla Garrick has been um, booted off of Twitter. They said that she broke the rules, and they still haven't let her back for like two months or something? No, they deleted her account. Yeah, that's yeah, what I meant. So she's like banned forever. Yeah, it's crazy. Ian, let's get this on the record. If uh, Texas seceded like next year and your federal uh, stuff all got dropped so you mm-hmm. were allowed to leave New Hampshire, would you move back to Texas with me? I mean, I would be hard pressed not to. You would love Texas, Ian. <laughs> it's so big. 
But uh, I have been. To, I visited Texas and. But not the good parts. I don't know. I went to Denton once. Yeah, I didn't even know where that was until you told me. <laughs> uh, there was a lot of trucks. Hmm. I remember a lot of trucks. Uh, anyway, so going on. But the prob- the problem with Texas independence is that there's a lot of people that don't like personal freedoms in Texas. And I think it'll be. You would probably see them go more hard conservative, I think, as a result of being out of the United States. So yeah, I don't know how long Texas I'd want to already, stay there. Texas has already been trending closer to uh, the left anyway in in my lifetime. There was this guy, Beto Orrick, that almost got O'Rourke? elected. Yeah, he almost got elected there. To what, governor? I think so. Hmm. Well, they rank, whether they're left or right, I don't know, but they rank number 49 on the list of personal freedom states in uh, according to the... Um, the foundation, no, Cato Institute. Yeah, I'm, I'm not Cato saying Institute. that left is better for libertarians, yeah. but the things that Texas is bad on are more like right leaning people are. Bad yeah, it doesn't on seem it. like they're getting like better marijuana. on it though. That's the problem. I mean, number forty nine is pretty bad. Uh, so you know, I might go to support them or whatever, but I don't know how long I'd want to stay <laughs> in uh, in a authoritarian place. Uh, you would just love San Antonio. Going on here, they say that it is up to us to hold these politicians to account. Leach may have won his game of checkers. I read that. Fighting these battles against incompetent politicians like Jeff Leach does take time, effort, and money. What Paul Davis and many other TNM officials are doing in these legal cases is a major aspect of advancing the cause of Texas independence. And so then he asks for a donation. And they are doing good work down there. Uh, also, if you have not signed our petition to put Texas Texit on the March primary ballot, please take the time to do so. They are trying to get, by the way, about 100,000, I think, Republicans to sign this petition and about 50,000 Democrats. That is eminently doable in a state where there's, what, 26, 29 million people or something like that. I think Texas has a lot of people. Getting 100,000 of them to sign a petition is absolutely something they can accomplish. So. That'll be very interesting if uh, Texas is able to accomplish that in 2024 is to get a question about independence. And it would just be um, a referendum. It it wouldn't hold any actual political weight. So it would just be like, oh, that's interesting. X percentage of people support independence for Texas. And that, of course, is the big question is what would it actually end up being? Because you can do polls, as we were talking about, Bonnie, with the polls here in New Hampshire, ranging from 16 to 29 percent of people in new hampshire who support independence like right now ready to secede yeah still pretty good if you think of it that way 16 to 29 percent i agree i think 16 is darn good i mean that's one out of six roughly that support independence that to me is a good starting like point right now like that right question now, was if it was able to vote would you want it to happen today right so, now yeah, yeah exactly uh so anyway getting uh, you know finding out on an actual ballot question would be much more useful than just polling a thousand people randomly by phone or or i think it was actually i think unh does internet polling hmm. so um if you want to learn more about it check out texas nationalist movement tnm.me and also uh, nhexit.us i haven't seen many updates on what's going on out in california with calexit hey daily digestion listeners this is riley blake I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy. So, I produce the Daily Digest. 
I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Whenever we go to the grocery store, we like to play a little game where you and I, we try to predict what the cost of the grocery cart is going to be and, you Mm -hmm. know, see who quote unquote wins. Ian almost always chooses a higher number than me. I guess I'm just more optimistic and he almost always wins. Mm, I don't know. I haven't been keeping track. Well, yeah, I think you almost always win. But, um. And you definitely usually choose a higher number than me. I, I, mm. I will be like. Uh, 16, you'll be like, no way, it's more like 80, and then you win. Yeah, there's that image that floats around online of the different, the like three grocery carts and the $20 bill, and then it shows how loaded a grocery cart would have been, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, and then how not as loaded it would have been 15 or 20 years ago, and then how it is today or whatever, and it's just dramatically less and less food that you're getting for your dollar. That's what you need to know about whether the dollar is strengthening or not. So whenever you hear the media saying the dollar strengthened, what they're referring to is the dollar's price in reference to other currencies. Hmm. They're not talking about whether or not you have a good standard of living. So, oh, big deal. Another currency went down in value faster. Yeah, that's basically what it means. When they say the dollar is strengthening, they just mean that they're not inflating the dollar as fast as the other uh, the other currencies. That's all. That's all it means. So uh, Russia's sanctions imposed exile from global financial systems last year also fueled speculation that non-Western allies would shift away from the dollar. Putin told the summit Tuesday, quote, the objective irreversible process of de-dollarization of our economic ties is gaining momentum. And that is the most important takeaway from this whole BRICS thing, which again, the for those of you just tuning in, BRICS, which was five nations, is going to be 11 countries now. They're admitting six more countries into BRICS. And it was already a heavy weight on the world scene, and it's going to get even heavier now with apparently 80% of the world's oil producing uh, facilities out there with the inclusion of of the United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia into BRICS. In addition, Iran, Ethiopia, Egypt. Egypt, Argentina. Tornado cash is once again being targeted hmm. by the federal government thugs with two of its programmers being charged criminally with quote-unquote money laundering. And what exactly is tornado cash? Thanks for asking. Uh, very important question. I've never used it, um, so I can't say you know that I have any experience with it, but certainly the idea of a Bitcoin mixer, or in this case, an Ethereum mixer, Ethereum for listeners that don't know, is the number two largest cryptocurrency by uh, value. Volume? I don't know if it's trade. No, probably not necessarily. Tra- it might be trading volume, but by uh, market cap, as oh. they call it, which is the value of all of the currency combined together. That is Ethereum. It is a big thing, right? Bitcoin's big. Ethereum also pretty big. Um, and so somebody, uh, these programmers, Roman, two, two men named Roman, Roman Storm and Roman Semenov, 
are facing allegations of money laundering and sanctions violations. One of them is currently in custody by the so-called Department of Justice. In the United States, right? I presume so. I don't the know why other I one, this happened outside. Um, well, I think the other guy is outside of the United States. Hmm. Otherwise, they would have snatched him up, too, probably at the same time. Um, but Tornado Cash is a mixing protocol. It is a protocol because it is a contract. As I, maybe it isn't a protocol. It's a contract, I think. Um, it is a what they call in the world of cryptocurrency a smart contract. So these guys and maybe some other people, I don't know who all the programmers were, but some group of people wrote this code that they then put out there onto the Internet. And once they put it out there, they just apparently they destroyed all of their administrative keys to mm-hmm. the code. So as I understand it, this code is like set in stone. It cannot even be changed. So if there was a bug that was in this code, they'd probably have to copy the code, change the um, you know, fix the bug and then re-release it as a new thing. But the current code is they re- they remove their admin keys. They they're no longer in charge of this thing. They they did program it, but they're not running it. So one of the reasons why Tornado Cash as I understand it is different from your typical Bitcoin mixer is that a Bitcoin mixer, you have to have like hardware somewhere in a rack, in a uh, in a computer rack, uh, that is running this particular Bitcoin mixing software, and that's traceable, right? Like you can figure out where that computer is, where the computer server rack is, and you can go after it with a group of thugs uh, from the so-called Department of Justice. With Ethereum, there is no central computer. See, that's one of the things people, I think a lot of people don't understand about Ethereum. Ethereum is not a cryptocurrency in the sort of traditional sense, not like Dash or Bitcoin Cash or something like that. Yeah, you could use Ethereum to, you know, send somebody uh, some value. But the main thing Ethereum is used for is its smart contracting ability. And what is done with the smart contracts is when you have a smart contract that's written and you want it to launch, you want it to be in effect, I don't know how exactly you do it, but somehow you put it onto the Ethereum blockchain and then anybody that wants to can interact with that contract. The contract may have bugs in it. As we've seen, there are these uh, DeFi, as they call it, decentralized finance systems that have been hacked you might have heard about these on occasion like such and such lost 600 million dollars in terra what's that terra uh no that wasn't ethereum oh but uh that was a different uh cryptocurrency platform DeFi thing that got it was a DeFi thing and it did get uh screwed hacked. over it, well i wouldn't call it hacked it was just attacked attacked in some way um so ethereum And there's a lot of sort of Ethereum wannabes and Ethereum quote-unquote killers. There's a bunch of other things out there that can sort of do the same thing that Ethereum does, which is this smart contract thing. But the thing that you need to really understand about Ethereum, and and again, I don't want to go too far off into the weeds, so please stop me if, if I'm not making any sense. But the thing that really separates Ethereum from Bitcoin or other, you know, cryptocurrencies is that it can run these smart contracts. The way it runs, quote-unquote, a smart contract is you pay it to run the smart contract. 
So whenever you're doing something on Ethereum, whether it's sending somebody some Ethereum or it's operating one of these smart contracts, it costs, quote unquote, gas. That's the terminology. It's It's the fee that you have to pay. And the more complicated the smart contract is, the more it costs to run. And so what's happening when Ethereum uh, is running these smart contracts, it's not running on some guy's computer. It's not running on your computer. It's not running on a server somewhere out there on the Internet. It's literally the entire blockchain, the thousands of computers. I don't know how many thousands of computers are running the Ethereum full nodes out there running. Is it possible to know? Yeah, there's probably some chart or something like that. I've never looked at it, so I just don't know what it is. Like Bitcoin, it's like somewhere between ten and twenty thousand. Wow, that's um, so few. That are I running. Thought the, it was more. That are running the full node software. Go ahead, Ridley. Yeah, I was um, you know poking around looking at local government meetings to get ready to go do some interviews and ambush interviews with politicians. Thanks. And uh, I found something interesting in the town of Marlboro, which. I didn't. I didn't wind up actually going there, okay, for logistical reasons. Uh, but it seemed like they're they're like it says that they're well that they they're not announcing it. Apparently, not announcing on their website when their meetings are going to be. <clears throat> they say they're posting it at the post office and posting it at town hall. Hmm. But I could not find any indication uh, that they're announcing it on their website. And I've never actually seen anything like that before in New Hampshire. You've never seen them not posting it on their website. Correct. No, like no. Apparently, no calendar. It says, unless I'm missing something, it says on their website, "quote The board of selectmen has been holding meetings based on the availability of members. Meetings are posted at the town office and Marlboro post office." Unquote. Yeah, I I don't know whether the law requires them to put it on the internet. That would be something worth looking into. Actually, if you think about it, it probably doesn't. Um, probably not. Yeah, because you know that would that would require some somebody had done something recently to the law to make it show that. Are mm-hmm. you going to go? They wouldn't have written it that. One of these. Sorry. Eventually, I may try to go, but how would I even know when the meeting is going to be? <laughs> like, I have to go there. Right, you don't have wheels. You you don't have a car that you can just drive over to the post office. Or Maybe you can call someone. Hall. Yeah, I mean, I could call every week until they say yes, we're finally having a meeting, or right, whatever they say. Maybe they can point to um, you to a calendar. Maybe it's just not somewhere obvious. I don't know. But is that possible? Well, I guess we're already discussing it. It might be possibly legal, but probably not because the law probably hasn't said anything about them putting it on a website. Yeah, like I said, if I'm not missing something, uh, that's the concern. I uh, gotcha. Anything else? That is all. All right, Ridley. Any thoughts on uh, what's going on with BRICS? Have you been following that situation at all? Well, I just know that it's an attempt to get rid of the the uh, you know monopoly status of the of the U.S. money or make it stop being the dominant world reserve currency. I don't know anything else. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ridley. Um, well, for Ridley, the, huh? did you decide of? Did, have you um, decided anything else about your new channel? Um, well, starting back <clears throat> up your old channel, Ridley like, Report. Have you decided where you're going to go first, or anything like that? In terms of where to, to film? Yeah, or like any ideas for a new video? Uh, Keen, yeah, I was in, in Keen the last two days. Nice, uh, nice. And I made it to three Keen 
you know, uh, city of Keene meetings and uh, oh, okay. Great. was also able to follow up on some problems with Keene State College. <clears throat> uh, in, in 2018, they, they kicked me out of a meeting of the uh, city college commission, mm. where like the city liaises with the college. And uh, sometimes mm-hmm. they meet at the college, sometimes they meet at the city. <clears throat> and this one was at the college. And when I tried to interview college officials coming and going, they immediately reported me. To oh, yeah, security, I remember they called security on you. Security in turn called the cops, and the cops told me to leave the campus. Right, the campus that you pay for through tax dollars, the quote-unquote public campus, you weren't allowed to be there to simply record video and ask questions. Yes. So anyway, I went back to ask them. Very interesting. Are those videos up? Uh, No. Okay. It'll take a while to get them all up. All right, cool. Looking forward to Me seeing too. it. Check him out at uh, the Ridley Report. He's on both Odyssey and Rumble. Is that right? Uh, RidleyReport.com, but it leads to that goes to BitChute. Uh, oh, okay. Rumble, I, I have I, uh, one third of my video, uh, one third of my files disappear when I try to put them on Rumble. Oh, so okay, like screw that. A logistical issue. It's not okay. like they're doing anything to me. It's just for some reason the interface doesn't work. So I stopped using Rumble, and now okay. it's just Odyssey. So BitChute uh, and Odyssey. Check out the Ridley Report. Correct. Thank you, Ridley, for the update. Appreciate the call tonight. Derek calling from Nashville, Tennessee. Go ahead, Derek. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, guys. Hey. Um, um, thanks uh, for taking my call. Sure. Um, I just wanted to, uh, you know, I know that uh, libertarianism or what it means to be a libertarianism is defined, you know, in a few ways, you know, most normally – uh, the non-aggression principle, and I think you know that's fine. But um, you know, I published the uh, the audiobook version of of a book written by a Canadian professor, and um, the way he defines libertarianism is a broad group of people who seek the betterment of mankind by decreasing the scope of government and increasing the range of individual autonomy. What do you think of that definition? I think that's great. Seems like a fair uh, definition to me. Right. I mean, I, as a voluntarist, you know, so I would, according to that definition, I, w- I would consider myself a radical libertarian. Mm-hmm. Me too. Uh, but but um, it's kind of a big tent definition yeah that's the best way to put that that is definitely a big tent definition that would define the entire libertarian movement it would not um you know fit the definition of a true libertarian or someone who is you know a voluntarist voluntarist or i I like the idea because it doesn't exclude voluntarists either like some people say Libertarians are not anarchists. Well, in that definition that Derek just gave, well, yeah, They're I not, also want... Yeah. No, they are, because I, I also want to shrink the influence of government, just shrink it to zero. Mm. And that's, I think, why the Free State Project also wrote their statement of intent back when they had one. They don't anymore, I don't think. But when they had one, it was something to, to the effect of, I will move to New Hampshire and exert the maximum uh, potential effort to reduce the government in size, scope, uh, and yeah, reach something on. like that. I, I reduce it to its to uh, the, the um, I don't know what the hell it was right now. It's not coming to me. Uh, but but fully, uh, the scope of government is to defend uh, life, life, liberty, and property. property. Thank you. Yeah, it, would, it was it referenced that in some way. So that that would have been the maximum scope of government under the Free State Project 
statement right. of intent, which but again, yeah, they big removed tent. it. So I don't know. Would you guys agree that uh, a minarchist could be, uh, you know, properly defined as a libertarian? I don't personally like to um, necessarily because I prefer the more principled terminology. But I mean, I I get why people want to have a big tent. I don't uh, reject the idea of welcoming people who don't quite get it on uh, on every issue quite yet. Because I didn't in the very beginning. I didn't quite understand how the principle of non-aggression, which is what libertarians are purportedly basing their viewpoints on, I didn't understand how it applied on all issues, and I had to learn those things. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, it is definitely, you know, I wouldn't want to turn somebody away. I think that they could, you know, be in the Libertarian Party or whatever. But back in the day, the Libertarian Party, I don't know if they still have it. I think they do. Uh, there used to be a principle that you had to agree with to join the Libertarian Party, and that would be that you don't think that force or aggressive force should be used for political or social goals so i mean that's a pretty principled statement and that's the only way the government does get anything done is by force so yeah to me it just kind of follows that you shouldn't believe in any like a minarchist could be someone that be- believes in oh we should just have a military but a minarchist could also be someone who thinks oh well we should just have Social Security, you know, something that is going to be more objectionable to one person than the next person. Why should we use force to cover X when we could also just use it to cover everything? Why not cover everything? I I just don't think it's very defensible. Um, I just I haven't really considered like, do I consider them libertarians much just because I only really consider myself a libertarian in public. There's been plenty of times where I said like I was going to stop doing it, but go back to it because it's just like useful like there are so many people that consider themselves libertarians now not so many but there's like a lot more than uh there used to be so it's useful for like being like hey i'm i'm one of you now listen to me and then i say the most like easy things and then i hook hook them in lasso them in with we should get rid of the federal government and all government and actual anarchy or volunteerism. So do you think that uh, libertarians should be expanded, as Derek is asking, Bonnie? What do you mean? Should it should it have the wider definition, or should it be a more narrow definition of someone who only... I don't think there's anything wrong with that definition. Like I said, like it leaves open the door for anarchy, but it you know, also is vague enough to where a lot of people will be like, oh, huh, yeah, I agree with that. What do you think, Derek? Well, it's... Uh... It's just interesting to me that, um, that, you know, several people I know who are, um, you know, have podcasts or sort of public figures have made the journey from minarchism to uh, voluntarism or anarcho- anarcho-capitalism. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you just you take those libertarian principles and you follow them to their logical conclusion and... Uh, it's pretty astonishing, you know, somebody like uh, Jack Spierko or uh, Mike Meharry. I don't know if you guys are familiar with them. Yeah, I've met Jack uh, in the past at Free State Project events. Yeah, I mean, he used to be a constitutionalist. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, man, I was just blown away when he finally, like, came out of the closet as a voluntary. When did that happen? Like, nice. Ah. <sighs> I can't remember how many years ago. Yeah, it's been it was. some time though, right? I recall it's been it's been a while. Yeah, but <laughs> what's his podcast? Uh, isn't the Survivalist? 
podcast? Is that uh, the Survival Podcast. The Survival Podcast. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad to hear it. Now he just needs to move to New Hampshire. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm uh, I'm trying to make my way up there too. Caller, you're on Free Talk Live. What's your name? Chris. Chris, you're on the air. Where are you calling from? Yeah, I called the other night from Owensboro, Kentucky. Welcome, sir. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, you were talking about a, a, a currency, like another form of trading money, I guess, what, that tornado currency? Uh, tornado Cash isn't its own currency. It is a mixing service for the Ethereum uh, cryptocurrency. Okay, okay, because in Evansville, Indiana, it's been some years, might have been the early 2000s, there was a fella, he had this thing called Liberty Currency. Liberty Dollar. Mm -hmm. Liberty Dollar, yeah. And the government went insane over that one. And they they even sent the Secret Service uh, to his location, invaded there, and he had a place in Hawaii, and they went there too. Mm -hmm. And uh, they shut his place down, and... He went through the federal system, and they took care of him, and he, that was the last we heard of him. Well, okay, so I'll give you an update on that case. We followed it very closely here. I think it was actually 2007, if I recall correctly, because it was on the run-up to the Ron Paul campaign, and they had created the Ron Paul Liberty Dollar, which had Ron Paul's uh, bust on it, right? And uh, they had like a copper version. I think they call and a it a profile, right? Silver version and uh, gold and platinum. They had all these different Ron Paul things. And they had just gotten them in to the facility there. They were getting ready to do a that major campaign. That was the final straw campaign. for the government. And the federal government came into their offices and came into the, the mint and where they had, they stored, I don't know how many millions of dollars worth of precious metals. And they just took it all. Terrible. And they charged him with, uh, quote-unquote, counterfeiting, hmm. and the jury convicted him in that case. Uh, luckily, he did, not go to, he did not go to prison. Um, he got some level of probation in that particular case. But it was stupid, Bonnie, because the Liberty Dollar, had you ever seen it, and if I had some, I would show them to you, but the feds took them when they raided the house uh, back in 2021 here. Um, they took all the gold and silver that we had. They didn't just take the Liberty Dollar, just did to be clear. Did you have a Ron Paul one? I don't know if I had one of those, but uh, they're very, very beautiful pieces. You can find images of them online, but it was very clear that they were not government money. First of all, they're actually silver. But secondly, (laughs) it had like a phone number on it and a website on it. But they claimed that it was just because they used the word dollar. That was one of the claims. Yeah, because they used the word dollar. Canadians call their money dollars all the time and they're not dollars. Well, they're Canadian dollars. So anyway, the uh, the update is he thankfully didn't go to prison. He had some level of probation. He, I think, is, I don't know if he's still in Hawaii these days. His son has apparently, uh, what is his son's name? His son's got like this hippie name, and I don't remember what it is. But um, his son has launched a new Liberty Dollar, which is backed uh or it is a cryptocurrency it's actually on the ethereum network which we were just talking about and it's backed by silver so so there's still things that are involving the liberty dollar that still kind of exist out there but you're you're absolutely right uh they they totally just destroyed his business which by the way at the time was the country's largest alternative currency gotcha gotcha because that's uh, yeah that's why the government I know that's why they do what they do, and one of the reasons we went into Iraq was 
what Saddam was going to do. He was going to get away from the American dollar. It was Saddam, and you're saying? That's what they say. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, that was the main reason. And they weren't going to let him do any oil changes in rubles or anything with the Chinese currency or anybody else. What were you going to say, Bonnie? It says that the guy's name is Extra. Extra, that's it, yeah. That's crazy. His name is yeah. Extra von Nothaus. Yeah, and as I, as far as I know, he's still out there doing uh, doing things. I believe Bernard, that was Bernard von Nothaus, was the founder of the Liberty Dollar, and he is fully retired uh, at this point. I mean, he was pretty old when I met him at the Free State Project Liberty Forum more than a decade ago. So I imagine he's enjoying. Yeah, he won, yeah. yeah he's enjoying his retirement. Uh, did you ever get a chance to get any Liberty Dollars? No, I never did get into getting in that type of currency. How long do, did uh, they exist before they got rated? They f- were founded, I believe, in 1998, so about oh, nine wow. years. Wow. Y- wow. Yeah, he had a full shop and everything. He had some other stuff there, too, in Evansville. And mm-hmm. then it was on TV and made national news and everything. It was yeah. a federal case. Kentucky, and, you Yeah, they also rated his place in oh. Hawaii. Yeah, it's, the, it's where Don Mattingly is from, played baseball for the Yankees. And uh, if you follow the 72 Dolphins, the quarterback, Bob Greasy, he's from there. Uh, We're actually Ron on the Black. air in uh, in Evansville. It's on the sister station. You probably already know this, but uh, you're listening, I presume, on WOMI there in Owensboro? Yes, yeah. yes, 99.1. Excellent, excellent. Thank you for uh, for being a radio listener. And we are on WGBF in Evansville, which is one of their sister stations. And we're actually on, uh, I think, every single day which is absolutely fantastic. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. That's how I listen to you and, uh, on WMI and then WGBF. Well, let me give you some uh, other good news. Uh, there's a new thing that has come out. The feds, thankfully, have not raided them. Hopefully that will not happen. But it's called the gold back. For people who are really interested in being able to spend real precious metals as money, the gold back is probably the most exciting thing since the Liberty Dollar. Maybe I think even more exciting than the Liberty Dollar. I think so too, just because I like gold more, it, and gold it's the is first so thing pretty. that makes gold this divisible. Because yeah. it's um, they take one one thousandth of an ounce of gold and spray it in a thin layer onto this plastic, this polymer, mm-hmm. and it's in a pretty design, and it looks like a bill. Um, and it's you can spend it's it. It's wallet. worth about four bucks if it's in your wallet. Yep. And it can't be counterfeited easily because it's a really unique technology they use. Yeah, it's really awesome. It's amazingly beautiful. I highly recommend people check this out. Go to goldback.com. They're not a sponsor of the show, but I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of what Goldback has been doing. They have been at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. They were at Freedom Fest as the major sponsors of those events in the last couple of years. They're really taking off. They don't even have to advertise. They literally yeah. do zero advertising. And it is just the word of mouth of people that is getting a word out about this. Because it's so cool because you couldn't spend one one thousandth of an ounce of gold before the gold back because That's right. it would just be a du- a grain, you know, like a grain of sand or something, maybe yeah, a little very bigger, small. Very, but very small. so small that it'd be hard to tell what it is. It wouldn't be able to have any markings on You'd it. You'd lose it. Yep. It, <laughs> it would fly just fall away in right the wind. out of your, you know, whatever you're trying to hold it in. Um, so definitely check it out because it makes gold actually spendable. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.